Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. It's the most talked about TV show that's not on TV. And I think you guys are amazing. With raw, honest opinions. This was not a mistake. This was a lie. Exclusive stories. Some industry insiders have been talking about this. Is that a Ben Robin Robbo exclusive? And plenty of famous faces. I'm not wasting these gold moments on the 60 minutes. (laughs) The Ben Robin Robbo Show is the new way to stream your news. This is the stuff that headlines are made of. Live every Monday to Thursday at 1pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on Ticker TV or Facebook and Twitter at BRR Show. Watch live or on demand. Streaming across the globe, Ben Norris, Rob McKnight and David Robinson. Welcome to the Ben Robin Robbo Show. Here's Rob McKnight. Hello there and welcome to the Ben Robin Robbo Show. It is fabulous. I mean, just fabulous to have you with us today. And we also love a bit of fabulicity with David Robinson and Ben Norris. Is that a word, boys? Fabulicity? I don't think it is, but I like like it. it. No, it is now. It's the same (laughs) as what was your word, Ben? What was your, your special word? What was that one? Yes. Put it in the Ben Robin Robo yes. Show Dictionary. Making Sorry, up words as we go along. Um, guys, we've got a very big show today. We are going to tackle a very important issue. We keep hearing about defund the police. What does that actually mean when it comes to the Black Lives Matter movement in the US? It's certainly a scary idea because I think a lot of us believe in police and law and order. But what do the protesters as part of the Black Lives Matter movement actually want? Well, we're going to speak to someone who has actually put it out very plainly and simply so that uh, even I can understand it, boys. And uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. (laughs) We'll also be catching up with our good friend Bruno, who uh, has been coming up with another one of his fabulous segments. And we will also be talking to... um, well, not talking to, but hearing about Ben's entertainment segment where we've got Kim Kardashian has pulled the plug. I don't often report on Kim Kardashian news, but this is actually a big one. And also, <laughs> wait until you hear how they're doing the Masked Singer finale. Jackie O has released all the details and we'll be finding out as we hear from her. But first, let's get into our hot topics. And the ABC has been criticised for only allowing Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people to apply for a national position at the National Broadcaster. The The role is for a news producer based in Sydney, but an unnamed white journalist looking for work was shocked to see that she couldn't apply. And it appears she's not alone. The Institute of Public Affairs of Australia's Evan Maholland called it outrageous. The ABC defended the application, saying they're required to promote equal opportunities at the network. Ben, what do you think about this? I think we're all on the same page about diversity and the need for diversity in the workplace. But especially in these tough times, is it, should we be stopping the person with the most experience from applying? And I'm not saying an Indigenous person wouldn't have more experience, but we're certainly saying that white people need not apply, basically. Um, uh, this is tough. Which is fine. Which is fine. I think we have to move into dangerous territory here. And when we're looking for diversity and employing people that represent all Australians, it's important for us to make sure that that is definitely seen. I've got a friend of mine who runs a business and she has gone out of her way to represent diversity amongst her um, 
work, you know, in her workplace. And she's been recognised for that um, with awards, which is great. But it is a difficult and tricky situation. Sometimes when you cut this up, it can look really bad. But what we do need to see on the ABC and on TV is a diverse um, reflection of society. And sometimes that means that we're only looking for something quite specific. So I'm okay with it. What's your thought, Robbo? Obviously, you could never do it the other way. Only white people need apply. Um, uh, but the ABC does have a lot of diversity. If you look at some of the people on uh, the <coughs> ABC, they sit... Oh, this is going to sound terrible. But, you know, with commercial TV, part of the look, it's not just your journalistic credentials, it's the look as well, that polished look. We certainly see a lot of people on the ABC that don't have that polished look. Um, so does the ABC need more diversity? Is this the right path? Absolutely it is. Hats off to the ABC. This is what we need in more media in Australia. The, the fact is that uh, Indigenous people, uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, just don't get the same, uh, the same opportunities as white people do. That's fact. That's, you know, that's not something that you can try and dredge through the mud that this bloody Murdoch paper... No, no, no surprises from the bloody Telegraph that they're having a go at the ABC about actually doing something right for the they, community. Hey, well, well, uh, well, they which... didn't actually have a go. They reported <laughs> a fact, and I think this is a fact that a lot of people watching this show they reported would actually it badly. be interested in. Mm, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's, it's interesting that it's, it's a Murdoch against the ABC. But anyway, um, moving away from that, um, I believe that this is a really good thing that's happening. There should be jobs like this, especially within government, which the ABC is, but it should be across all media, uh, that we're only allowing a certain person because we're giving them a chance where they haven't had a chance before. And I think that's really important. And I really like this. And that there's... There's, there's nothing to harp on about. There's nothing to whinge about. There's no negatives to this. There are only positives, and I'm fully behind it. Well, that's, that's your opinion, obviously, but I can totally see the other side of the fence where people would look at that and say, and, and these people who wanted to apply for this job, <laughs> media jobs are really hard to come by now, and if you've got a wealth of experience, it doesn't necessarily mean you can get a job. And when there is a job available, for that job to be declared Indigenous only... It, it is a tough pill to swallow for the people it's out of work. It's a step work, in the right direction. This it's a, it is a step in the right... No, it's a step in the right direction. And also the fact, like I said, uh, Indigenous people, First Nations people of Australia have never gotten the opportunities that white people do. So, yes, I, I feel for this uh, this white journalist who, who wouldn't be able to apply for this job, but it's important that it's opened up because we don't hire people of colour in this country. Look at that report but, that so came you, out a few weeks I ago. I just want to be clear on this. That there, was a report, okay there was a report... You basically yeah. say whites need not apply. Been pretty clear about that one, yep. That this is a particular job that they're saying that they would like a, a, a person of colour to be part of it, Indigenous, uh, Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander, whatever. They, they want that person to apply. They're, they're creating a safe space, essentially, for uh, someone of colour to get that position that otherwise in other media organisations or in other is businesses, really, We've in Australia... We've seen situations at SBS which you would think would be the most diverse place where... Previous Indigenous Australians have complained that they were treated like the token black and even introduced, this is our Indigenous person, you know, like they were, they'd been marked off a checkboard. Just because you give a job to an Indigenous person doesn't mean you're fixing the issue. And we've seen that at SBS where the issue was actually made worse because they felt like an outsider and they felt like they were just checking a box for diversity. Yeah, but these are different things. But guess I what, mean, the though, way in which you what? treat people... Sorry, Ben. Sorry, go, Ben. The way in which you treat people in a workplace once they get into the role, that's a completely different story, and that needs to be tackled differently as well. Nobody needs to have them, oh, this is the black person. We know that's wrong. But, Rob, what I would love to say to you is it's kind of very similar to the way in which sometimes we, we got really confused with all lives matter. And I got confused with that very briefly, and a friend of mine corrected it, but it's very much in that same vein where it is black lives matter because we do need to make the difference saying that, you know, we would never switch it the other way is absolutely true. We would never switch it the other way. So I just think you need to be really careful heading into this territory because an yes. actual fact in the workplace, in all jobs, not media, we should reflect society. And society is made up of very, very different people than what we have and been seeing reflected in yes. senior roles. Yes. And can I, can I uh, just go on from that, Rob? Um, so white people, like, they're getting offended. You're getting offended. You think it should be open to everyone. Um, uh, welcome to not getting, getting a job. Wait, Don't welcome. put words in my mouth, well, Robbo. I'm playing the advocate okay. of people well, who I, might think a certain right. way. You sounded offended. Well, it's to, probably good for you to clarify that. 
Welcome to not getting a job because of your race, something that people of colour have had to live with for their entire lives. I and understand now, all that, of a sudden, but does that mean we're allowed to put the shoe flipped. on the other foot? Well, yeah, I so think it is. Because it's, it's of about, generations it's about of horrific past way wrongs. people are, are, are race being treated, we're now saying that because you're white, you're allowed to be treated like shit. Because people of previous <laughs> generations were treated like treated shit, and I do like not shit. dispute, people of colour all around the world have like been treated shit. terribly. But, but you're now saying white people can like be this. treated like shit. No, no. I, I, if we're going to start this game now, Robert, if you say... I never said that, so don't put words into my mouth. Uh, you did. So you don't said, do that. now so, you know what it feels like. Well, that's... Because that that's true. what it that's sounded like, That's not saying that they're shit, but that's what it is like. Now, all of a sudden, a white person is having to deal with the same thing that Indigenous people and people of colour have had to deal with their whole lives. Absolutely. And so now it's the shoes Absolutely. on the other foot where you can't get a job because uh, of right, your race. Robert. And that's... But Aren't I think we after equality the... for all? Yeah, and, and to do that, in order to do that, it's not working, is it? So for the past 200 years in this country, it hasn't bloody worked. So now we need to start doing something differently. If we keep doing the same thing, that's a very definition of insanity. So why keep doing something that doesn't work? Well, you can have a go at the Telegraph for reporting on this, which I don't think there was anything wrong with their report. Can we go I back think... to the issue? Maybe if you just let me finish my thought, I can tell you what I was going to say. <clears throat> I don't think there is anything wrong with the way The Telegraph reported this. You turned that into a Murdoch-bashing thing because they dared report it. But the fact is, the simple fact is, a lot of Australians would look at that and think, it's outrageous. Now, why are they allowed to discriminate against us? You know, like, you, you, you've got to be able to see why this kind of way it's put in there in black and white would put people off. I, I, okay. I just don't... This is the step forward. Get on the bus or get off the bus. But I, I, I think that at the end of the day that this is the right thing to do because those people have not had the same uh, chances mm. that we've all had and now we're... Yeah. Well, some, you know finally, what? We don't somewhere... have on this show. Maybe one of us have to be sacked and put someone on just because we have to show representation. All right, we'll but stay we do with look us because at the Rob, end of the week we're going to say goodbye to Rob. He's been a great host and now <laughs> we're going to say goodbye to him. If you're going to make the joke, I'm going to go back on it. Like... But, uh, Robert, the reason I say that, with Studio 10, when we were casting that, we held a lot of auditions. And there was a pressure to put an Asian person in the chair that didn't have, I'm going to say it, was not as good as Sarah Harris, okay? And so the, 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 the thing I had to deal with was, do I put this person in who I did not believe was as good as Sarah Harris, or do I put Sarah Harris in the chair? I decided to put Sarah Harris in the chair, and I don't regret that. And you can call me racist, you can you can accuse me of lack of diversity, but I was casting for a panel. I didn't care about anyone's race. If someone, if a minority or an Indigenous Australian had been better in that panel, I would have happily have put them in. But I believed I had a great cast with great chemistry. We're not asking. I think that you're anyone. wrong. The ABC is not. I think being that you're wrong with that. To, to be recast. honest with you, can I just say I'm could... not being recast. They're not, hold on a bit. They're not being asked to recast the 6pm news. They're not being re asked to recast Q&A. It's just a bloody news producer. And I like the idea that it's this, this very small but important part of the job, uh, important part of the organisation. They're just saying this news producer position in Sydney, we would like to only open it up uh, to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander. We, 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 the ABC is not asking to reinvent the wheel. They're not asking to get rid of everyone that's white. They're not doing it. It's just, it's this one little job. They're not saying that the host of Four Corners now must be Indigenous. They're not doing that. They're just, it's it's just a bloody producer job. It's no, a very important step. If you wanted to say something, I'll give you the last word. I think, you know, it's, it is not just a producer job. It's every industry. It's not just media. We need to be taking a step in the right direction to reflecting diversity. And that sometimes means not putting someone like Sarah Harris in the chair when we need to reflect diversity. Maybe Studio 10's ratings would have been better if we reflected society what accurately. That's what, and you I cannot love Sarah. say that. You cannot say that if I'd put someone else in that chair, the ratings would have been better. I built that show up from nothing to 120,000 viewers per day based on the decisions I, I made that. that I believe that any other cast in any other set of conditions would not I achieve not that be. and would be at the 40,000 <laughs> that it is now. I can't buy that. Nah. But I just will go with the final word and I just want to clarify something and I could not be any more of a 
bigger Sarah Harris fan. I love her on the show and I can't wait to see what she does with Tristan McManus. I think that's going to be fantastic. But I absolutely do see that there is a lack of cultural diversity on television, which is hurting people right across the country. And I think by just ignoring that yep. and not allowing people to have that opportunity, we are he we're still heading in that same direction, like Robbo said. And, and it is insanity. It's insanity to, to do this that, to people. That's All you need to do fine, is... Ben. I agree with you. Yep. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Just don't tell me that putting someone else in that chair would have delivered better ratings because you can't prove that and you don't know that. So I think it's a crock of shit to say that. Let's move on. Well, if you've ever been to a school here in Australia, this probably won't shock you. According to a report by the OECD, Aussie kids are among some of the worst bullies in the world. The data was collected from 10 million 15-year-olds from across the globe. It showed that here, 30% of kids have said they've been bullied, which is 7% above the global average. Robo, does this surprise you? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, it, it, like you said in your intro, if you've spent any time in Australian schools, they're bloody rough and kids are awful. Uh, I, you know, we're all probably going to talk about <laughs> bullying stories here, but I was, I was really uh, bullied really badly, actually, when I started high school. It was... It, it, you can't describe it. And what I, what, I, what I think about sometimes is... So I hated going to school at the beginning of it. It was really awful. But then to think that I could be going to school now, 20 years later, and having the online aspect of it too, I would have been destroyed. I just, it would have, I would have not been, because once you walk out of that gate, you can kind of forget about it for, you know, 12 hours until you've got to go back, or, you know, the next day. Uh, I can't imagine what kids go through these days. And if, if these are the, the results that we're seeing, then bloody hell, what are people doing about bullying? Like what... The schools are at the front line. What the hell are they doing? Because clearly the school system is failing uh, the people who are being bullied. 30%? That's higher than, than the global average? Where are the schools? Where are the teachers? Disgusting. Where are the parents? I, I think for all the talk in schools, Ben, of anti-bullying... I do believe that teachers turn a blind eye. Everyone talks about we do not accept bullying, yeah. but as soon as there's an issue, you know, you see kids who are bullied and then stand up for themselves, get suspended along with the bully because you can't take, you know, you can't defend yourself. And But until it escalates to that point, the teachers really, I think, I'm, and, and I'm, <laughs> I know I'm going to cop it over everything I say today, but I do feel that teachers don't want to know. I don't think that's true at all. I mean, I grew up in a family uh, of mainly teachers. I don't. I mean, I think that uh, teachers, it's complicated. I think discussing bullying has always been complicated. Uh, Project Rocket is an Australian-based company, which uh, is amazing. It was started by Lucy Thomas and Rosie Thomas, their sisters, and they are being... They started that 14 years ago and slowly but surely teachers have adopted ways in which that they can tackle bullying and that is continuously putting it under the magnifying glass and working out ways in which that they can make it better for students. Yes, we can see yeah, these well, statistics all I'm doing are is bad. From personal but there experience are... where I've seen, I've known kids being bullied and the teachers really, it, it gets in the too hard basket. And so I appreciate the what your friends are doing and that's great and I want more of that. But in the school playground, where this is actually happening, I've seen too many instances of schools just going too hard, too hard, too hard. Can I just say something really quickly, though? And I'm guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. Bullying is something that happens to us all. We don't necessarily intend to do it, but sometimes we need to be reminded of it. And our behaviour as humans, like, we make mistakes. And I don't see a problem in being called out for that because I've been, I've been held accountable for it before where I've had to think to myself, hang on a sec, yeah, I can see how that has come across that way. And that is because bullying is a really difficult subject matter. It's really hard, and the fact that yeah. they used that word out of context so many times diluted That's the true. way in which we could understand it. Yeah. And I think that what we need to do as society is to continuously not take offence when someone has a difference of an opinion about your behaviour, and that behaviour needs to be looked at and thought about, and you're like, hang on a sec, that's not how we're going to move forward. Yeah. And so I've been guilty of it. Uh, I think everyone has been guilty of it. And friends of mine have called me out for it before. And half the time I'm like, okay, I need to change that behaviour. There's nothing wrong with that. No, there's not. But I, I think you've raised a very valid point. Just because someone disagrees with you is not bullying. You know, bullying is systemic. You know, it's repeated behaviour. 
And I do believe, I'm not surprised that this is happening in Australia and is still at the problems that it, it is at. But look, remember, help is out there. The Kids Helpline is available for those aged 12 to 25. And you can reach them at 1800 55 1800. And Beyond Blue is out there too at 1300 224636. All right, let's move on. And the staggering amount of money spent by police on settling civil claims against their fellow officers has been unveiled by the New South Wales Greens. During the last financial year alone, $24 million of taxpayer money was spent on settling almost 300 claims, including offences such as battery, false imprisonment and malicious prosecution. These figures have been unknown up until now due to gag orders and resistance towards just justice advocacy groups. The New South Wales Greens has called these figures the first real insight into the financial cost of police misconduct. Robbo, is there an inherent problem when police are essentially in charge of investigating themselves? Yeah, there is. I mean, obviously we've got various government departments that are meant to be... Uh, you know, independent of the police force. Uh, but this is pretty, pretty shocking, isn't it? Because at a, at a, and it's bad timing, really, for the police force, because, you know, with everything that's going on about uh, what we should do as police and how police should be in our communities, $24 million, like that... I, I know we talk about billions and trillions now in our day, in this, in this time of uh, humanity, but $24 million is still a very big amount of money. Yeah. Um, wouldn't that be better mm. spent training them better? Wouldn't that be better spent put into training or to weed out the people who are just not good cops? I'm not saying that there are many of them, but just surely there's a better way. It, what worries me, actually, Robin, and I'll put it to both to you and Ben, I would hate if there was this little slush fund that the police have put together that is just for this kind of thing as opposed to... They'd have to be. Well, They'd hold have on. To Can someone look it. at it? That's what I mean. So wouldn't it be nice if it was just, OK, we've got you've got 30 million in this pot, right? Why don't we get someone to look at it and go, okay, well, how do we reduce that? So take some of that money, not just leave it in the pot because it's, you know, safe, but put it over here and train and, and educate better and things. You know, that, that's, I don't know if that could happen, but I think those are the kind of decisions that are going to need to be made very soon because of the way that the community is currently feeling about police and their role in our society. Ben? Yeah, I mean, I think that those statistics are really alarming and no wonder they've kept them under lock and key for us not to be able to see, you know, and I have to agree with Robbo. And I just think that, you know, looking forward, we may need to still spend that sort of money. But as Robbo says, let's spend that money on making sure that there's better training out there uh, so we can eliminate this because just turning a blind eye or being outraged by the number or by that high amount of statistics is not going to fix the situation. Obviously, there is, a, I would say, a small fraction compared to the US when it comes to corrupt police, but essentially we do need to look at it because it's a huge problem. So we need to reinvest some of that money in a better way, I'd say. And you know what? It's not always about corruption. Sometimes it's just about wrong choices, you know, and not having yeah. that training that Robbo talks about to listen to the people being arrested. On this program, we've been very supportive of the police when people are doing the wrong thing mm -hmm. and reacting badly yeah. to the police. I have stood here and said, mm -hmm. oh, well, the police need respect and you've got to do the right thing. But it's also a two-way street. If the police want respect, they have to treat the people they're arresting with a bit of respect, to a point, of course. You know, and if people are mm -hmm. trying to do the right thing when they're being approached, then, you know, I, I think yeah. uh, respect needs to be on two levels. Um, and look, coming yeah. up, this whole um, funding of the police is a huge thing. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to meet Ty, who's part of the Black Lives Matter movement. But he's the first person I've ever seen explain what the whole defund the police movement means and what the impacts of that will mm. be. And so if you hear defund the police and have no idea what that's about, Stay tuned, because I think this is going to be a really, really fascinating interview. Um, all right. Well, look, a big change of pace now. We've had some heavy topics, <laughs> and I, I feel like Rob's been a little bit ranty, so uh, I said ranty. Um, so let's... Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thought I'd bring uh, it back, yeah. Robbo, with a, yeah, with a, I like a, it. a I like night it a double entendre. Um, <laughs> Look, yeah, it's meant to be a romantic... <laughs> what? I just... There's something that I love about entendre, but I also hate it as well, but just... When I say it or just in general? Yeah. No, no, just the word. No. Double entendre. Uh, double entendre. Uh, 
A tundra. <laughs> it's probably classy. more. Yes, yeah. A double on tundra. Sophisticated, I think. Mm. Okay, um, you guys have lost your mind. Let's go. Uh, can you tell I'm tired? The eyes. Is there something in the water? Is there something in the water up in no, Queensland just, at the moment? We're just like, happy to be here. Uh, oh, we're happy to be here. I'm just happy to be here. I'll tell you what's not in the water. I'll tell you what's not in the water. COVID-19, because Anastasia has closed all borders and we can't see our friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, let's not go down that path. Look, it's meant to be a romantic moment, sometimes even a grand gesture. But this proposal was a little, well, crap. A woman shared on Facebook how her now fiancé proposed to her. He got down on one knee while she was on the toilet. People have slammed the gesture, <laughs> calling it gross and unromantic. Um, what do you think, though, Ben? Doesn't it say they have a hugely open relationship and that they can even create a romantic moment while, while she's flushing one down, he's pulling one out? <laughs> oh, I like. I don't even that. know. I don't even know. <laughs> and can I just say that was literally off the top of my head, and I'm a little bit proud. Oh, that of was it. fantastic. Oh, I'm very proud of that. Being you pulled that out of your ass. I, I did. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Okay. Um, All I, right. I have to say that proposals are you know, subjective, like as in people's sense of humour can be very different. I mean, I probably wouldn't want to be proposed to on the shitter, but, uh, <laughs> and I chose to propose in front of, you know, the entire nation uh, after winning Big Brother. You did but do I would you say, had a classy proposal. Let's be honest, it's hard to top what you did. Yeah, but at the same time, I still think that the proposal is subjective to the individual. So that might be really funny for those people. I mean, they're probably loving it. I just think it's crazy when a story like that ends up online and everyone's like, oh, that's the shittest proposal. Well, excuse the pun, but like that's the worst <laughs> proposal that I've ever seen. And I'm like, but they might have loved it. They might have thought that was the best that, thing ever. Me that too. That's what I'm difference. thinking. Robbo? Yeah, if we could just, Amanda, can you bring that photo up of the hand? Because I think there's a lot of evidence in there that we can decipher. And uh, what David. the bloody hell is that in? That, that stupid tattoo. Oh, no, they're disgusting. They're, well, they're aren't you gross. jumping to conclusions and stereotypes? <laughs> I expected better of you, no, David just, Robinson. I know you did, but I expect better of someone. No, hold on. It, we don't know how long they've been engaged for. Oh, sorry, been together, but... There is, if there is one thing that I will never share with a partner if I ever get one, and that is uh, going to the toilet in front of them. Like, what the hell? I, I'm like, actually disgusting. with you there. Uh, like, that's the one thing we can can't share. Can I tell share. the story? No. <laughs> yes, tell it. No. Oh, I know the story. Yeah, yeah, no. do, it, do it, do it, do it. So, okay. I, I don't like anyone within a three-mile radius if I poo, okay? And um, so, Amanda... Before we were uh, married or even engaged, we went on a holiday when to you were courting. Uh, Europe. You were courting. Mm. Sorry? You were courting. Oh, we were courting, I yes. believe, what the old um, We went yes, on a yes. holiday to Europe. We were in a cheap-ass hotel in London. Anyway, I finally hit that point where I needed to go. go. And anyway, yeah. I've got into the bathroom, you know, I'm like, okay, just try and be quiet. Anyway, of course, what do you get? And I'm there horrified and all I hear is a sniggering in the next room and not even, then she didn't snigger, she cracked herself laughing out loud because she was like, I've heard it. <laughs> and she didn't try to make it. She just thought oh. it was the best thing ever. So, yes. And she still said yes. She did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think you thought I was going to tell another story. <laughs> I think she's actually breathing a sigh. Oh, yeah. oh, I think we need to hear that story. Just that story again. <laughs> Bloody that's for another day. Look, uh, <laughs> that's yeah, for okay, another great. day. Get Look, um, out, guys. <laughs> it's time for a hit of entertainment. Ben, there's big news for reality TV staple. Is it the end of an era? Uh, yes, it is. So after 20 seasons, Keeping Up with the Kardashians will be coming to an end with the final series airing in early 2021. That's right, guys. Get the tears out. I can see Robbo is already crying. The decision to end the show was made by the Kardashian-Jenner family this morning. That announcement came out as Kim took to her famous Twitter account to break the news. The tweet stated, 
It is with a heavy heart that we say goodbye to Keeping Up with the Kardashians. After 14 years, 20 seasons, hundreds of episodes and several spin-off shows, we as viewers are left wondering, was it COVID that killed the Kardashians? Was it the ratings? Uh, Or was it simply there not enough reasons to keep up with the Kardashians anymore? It's been, you know what, I'm not a fan and I, you know, like, I've often had issues with the way they found their fame. Um, but you know what, you can't inst- underestimate the, the what they've built and what they've done with this brand. It's been very impressive. Yeah. I know, uh, I know. But you know what I would say? Uh, <laughs> I would say I was really late to the Kardashians and so by the time I came in I think I started around season eight and I watched like two seasons but then it just became so formulated and I just Uh. felt like they became so unrelatable and I think it's interesting you know look the ratings 100% had taken a massive dip and the figures on how much they paid those girls to run that show continued to increase this Uh. was the only way it was going to end sorry and I think it's it's coming a good question was there ever a time was there a time where you found the Kardashians relatable? <laughs> like, yeah, well, what, Ben released you said a sex tape. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, um, I think the magic of that show was in the way in which families can interact, and I think that's what was relatable about it. I mean, it was always overinflated, and I could never afford their hair and makeup and all of that kind of stuff. But there was a time where I think it was interesting to watch the the function or dysfunction of that family. Uh, I think that's why sure. people, you know, continue to continue to watch it. I mean, I have to admit, I, I'm not watching it anymore, and I think it's had its time, and maybe that's my age. But look, I know there's a, there's an enormous amount of people there that really enjoyed that show at a time. So Ben, uh, what else do you have for us today when the entertainment report comes up shortly? Oh, well, later on, we're going to talk about Kyle Sandilands. Kyle Sandilands had managed to get himself into some hot water uh, towards the end of last year, and the result has come out for that. But also, Rob and Robbo, I know you both love the Golden Girls. They have rebooted it, and I have all the information, and it's actually here sooner than you think. All righty. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Well, with over 3 million views on Twitter, our next guest went viral with his explanation of the movement to defund the police. Have a look at this. When we say defund the police, there's a lot of people that like to frame it as an anarchist conversation. But what we know as black and brown bodies in this America is that policing never equated to safety for us. I've never felt protected or served by any officers in MPD or any of the other police forces and municipalities that I've visited across this America. So when we say defund the police, for people who cannot understand the nuances in that conversation, what we're saying is revisit public safety. And here to talk to us more about this growing movement is Ty Hobson Powell. Welcome to the Ben Robin Robbo Show, Ty. Thanks for having me. Look, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, you are a remarkable person, and I'll get to your childhood in a moment. The idea of defunding the police scares a lot of people because I don't think we fully understand what that means. I think a lot of, especially white in the US and middle class people, would think, well, that means no law and order and people need a blanket of safety for law and order. Um, What's your message to them? My response to them um, is that I would employ them to actually listen to what the people on the ground are saying. You know, we are lovers of peace. And I actually tweeted that earlier today. We would love law and order. Um, The thing is, we don't just want law and order for some, we want it for all. And for far too long, a group of people in the police that has been mandated with protecting and serving has been a group that has terrorized black and brown communities in these United States. You know, when you look at white communities all across this America, all across different locales in America, different states, what you find is that there is an overwhelming presence of safety, but there isn't an abundance of police. But you go into the black and brown communities, and what you find is that there is an abundance of policing, but there isn't an abundance of safety. That right there gives us 
of what we know to be true, which is that policing does not equate to safety. It's resources, it's communities that have grocery stores, it's mm. communities that have the things that would actually make lives matter, um, that are the safest. You know, Chicago has the most police deployed per 100,000 people for any city in the United States. If policing equated to safety, then Chicago would be the safest city in the United States. So, Ty, the police is part of our very fabric, I guess, of our society. It would be almost like, and I can't think of a good analogy, but it's almost like if we, you know, had no cars or something like that. It's almost an idea that people just can't get their head around. What's the first step in trying to just, you know, get that idea into people's heads as something that could happen, that is something that is really good. Because it's a, it's a mammoth exercise to try and get people to realise that, you know, the way that policing is done now is not the right way it should be done. Well, yeah, so, like, I think, and, and, and you saw some of it with my video, right, it is taking language that otherwise may be incendiary. So when people hear defund the police and they see that, sometimes that is sort of too much for them, right? But I think that if we start phrasing it with things like revisit the police, right, and sort of give room for that conversation to happen, that is the first step of it. I think the other uh, part of it, and I acknowledge it in this earlier in, in this, is that the safest communities don't have the most police. The safest communities have the least police. And so when we look at these equivalencies, we have to understand that safety does not equate to over-policing. As we look at a group of people that is paid by taxpayer dollars to protect and serve to the extent that there is a whole community that does not feel protected or served we have to revisit what public safety is in favor of something that resembles justice on a day-to-day -day and not just something that results in arbitrary administration of justice and when we talk about the idea of revisiting the concept of policing is something as simple as even the educational requirements of police here in this country, there are police that go through academies for a couple weeks and get guns. They can administer the law in real time. Meanwhile, there's a lawyer that has to study for years to know the law and practice it. There is a disconnect. I think there is a gap. You know, I think I was, I just want to say there's something um, horrific about hearing these stories because we know them to be true. There's documentaries about them. Uh, I think it's cl it's very clear to me to quickly say that I think the police system in America is definitely different to the police system in Australia. Yeah. But uh, interestingly enough, you know, since the murder of George Floyd, we've seen the Los Angeles and the New York Police Department halve their budget, will have their budget halved. Is that enough to make a difference over there in the States? You see, so every locale looks different. Um, and every locale's response to how they want to revisit public safety will be different. So uh, the $150 million commitment that I believe Los Angeles received um, to divest to their communities might be something that works. We don't know. It's sort of a first of its kind sort of thing. When we talk about cuts, when we talk about what exactly revisiting public safety looks like, I think that is specific to locales. You'll have some locales, a smaller town, where it might be easier to entirely get rid of the police. You'll have some locales where maybe abolishing the police looks like a mix of the cahoots model, which we've seen where social workers are deployed for certain things and then officers only for the things that are most necessary. I mean, it is up to the people. That is the beautiful thing about democracy is that, um, you know, if your locale decides you want police, well, guess what? You get to have them. But here in Washington, D.C., a city that is majority black and brown, um, what we know to be true is that policing disproportionately is biased against black and brown bodies. And so to that end, we want a new system here. Um, mm. And that looks like abolishing the current system that we have. But it may not look like that for every locale, and that's fine too. Um, oh, that's interesting. Important that that's interesting that it's not a one-size-fits-all. But I, I, before we go, I really want to ask you this point. There's been a lot of protesting, which has become a real political issue uh, in the US presidential campaign. Trump is using the protests, which he's labelling as violent and, um, you know, calling the protesters outlaws. Uh, what is your response to that kind of depiction of the protesting happening, especially in Portland, I Oregon? Think I think um, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. What we have to understand is that what we're seeing in the streets is a response to state-sponsored violence. It is the quite literal disproportionate incarceration and murder of black and brown bodies. What you're seeing is a response to that. 
you know, which which I think you could be absolutely right. But is there a point that, from a political stance, he is motivating his base because those pitches, when you see them, look violent? From uh, it's all the way it's played out, right? So, you know, the police force having to come in, and he's telling um, mayors to bring in the national guard. I will fix this problem for him. So he's shaping the narrative to be the a national problem. guard is adding is adding dimensions that don't need to be added sure. to protest crowds. I'm and, not arguing and, with that at all, but where does it become, how do you win the PR battle? So, you know, there's obviously supporters of the Black Lives Matter movement and you've got right. the hard right who see this as a political opportunity because what they can show is the perception, and I use the word perception, of violence and buildings being tor torn down or, you know, courthouses. So how do you it's find that perception? It's humanizing it. It is doing what you guys are doing right now, bringing the thought leaders who are on the ground every day onto platforms to really articulate what it means, to articulate what people are seeing on the news and, and what it is a reflection of. You know, all too often media, mainstream media on the left and on the right has done a horrible job of including us in this conversation about what's going on. Uh, they would just as soon try to define what a gathering means without calling the organizer who put the gathering together and asking them, right? Mm -hmm. And so it is important to include us as voices because we are very much a part of this political landscape. Uh, we very much can demystify a lot of the things that are going on. And, and I think that the reason why my video went viral um, is because, like I said, it humanized this sort of concept of defining the police. It's a phrase And helped us understand it around. because we didn't but, understand but, what that meant. Exactly. And there are a whole lot of phraseologies and, and, and tactics and things that are being done right now that are not understood, that could be better understood by bringing the people who are responsible for them to the table uh, to have conversations about it. You are a fascinating man, and this has been so enlightening. Thank you for coming on the Ben Robin Robbo Show today. We genuinely appreciate it. Thank you for having me, man. It's the Ben Life Shot of the Day. Where were you going today? You never know where you'll end up with the random life shot of the day. And of course, there's nothing like talking about the Black Lives Matter movement and defunding the police. And then we take you to Namia in New Caledonia. It's a low of 18 degrees and a top of 21 today. Let's get into the feedback. Janelle says, looking dabber in your spearmint shirt, the Savo Rob. Oh, thank you very much, Janelle. Reggie says, <laughs> sorry, what was that, Robert? No, just saying fancy spearmint. Mm. Yes. Uh, man. Rob, Dapper. you sound like you need my 50 cloves of garlic soup India, says Regina. You know, Reggie, I'm a bit <laughs> off today. I'm not going to lie. Um, talking about the diversity issue, Jamie says BRR is very diverse with two and a half gays. He he. That's a good point, actually. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I like that. Uh, Reggie again says bullying is rife in schools and especially on social media. Yeah, that's a very good point. Nicole says some schools do ignore bullying, but if the parent is on them all the time, they do come around eventually. Yeah, thanks, Nicole. Shouldn't come down to that, of course. Glenn says I got bullied for eight years at school and never told my folks, not once, and it was horrible. Yeah, how do you get kids to open up? That's the big issue. Um, we've also got this one. Leo says we, we, we still are in high school or tell a teacher. When you're cornered behind the school, you can't just tell a teacher. Uh, certainly true. Um, Glenn also says, I made sure my kids always told me if they were ever bullied. I was that parent and made no apologies. Jan says, haha, she's flashing one down and he's pulling one out. Got to be the quote of the week. Um, <laughs> Terry has sent me some uh, a guide for doing quieter poos. Paper in the bowl first, Rob. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, and Mary is reading it. Build a raft. Blog. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've also got oh Reggie wants to get famous and she says maybe I should release a sex tape and become famous and then uh, we've got Mary saying uh, he sound, regarding Ty he sounds very educated what a great individual making a very valid argument alright thank you for yeah. all you oh we just got a zoom in there oh, oh man let's quickly go back let's see what's happening what is there news happening there's pirates 
Oh, no. Are there pirates you guys are there? Perverts. <laughs> Captain Jack <laughs> Pirates. Well, they look like they're having a lovely day pirates, on the other pirates. side of the world. Oh, well, not the other side of the world. Wherever, wherever they are. Is that a poo? <laughs> oh my god, is that a poo island? Look at that poo island. It is a poo, island. A poo emoji island. We've got a poo theme it's today. It's the poo emoji. <laughs> it's oh. a poo emoji. And thank you to wow. our cameraman really who's is. on location in Yumea and had to go all the way over there to bring you today's random live shot of the day. We appreciate your efforts, Georgie. Yeah. Gary's uh, great. Gary is we'll, great. Oh, Georgie, we'll I mean, find yeah. out where she's going tomorrow. All right, it's time to move on, and it's time to check in with Bruno Boucher, the List King. Bruno, I actually love this because I've got no idea. Guys, what's how in store are today. you? Hey, I'm, I'm so <laughs> sorry. Hey, it's such um, it's such crap timing. But my little headset thing, uh, I can't hear you guys. Hang on, I'm just going to do a quick little change. You'll be, I'll be able to hear you now. I'm so sorry about that. Are you guys there now? Well, Bruno, you did yeah, that. We, we didn't even notice what you were doing. You could have easily done that without telling us. Oh, I'm so sorry. Hey, how cool is Poo, Poo Island? That's where I'll be going once I'm <laughs> It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And I was just saying, hey, this is the first may, time. May, may I just jump in? I was just watching before when you were talking about uh, proposing on the toilet. And, and if, if you can just indulge me for two seconds, when I proposed to my wife, I had the absolute <laughs> worst experience um, and it ended up being on the news and in and, and, and the newspaper. It was a whole thing. So I timed it so that we'd go out on a boat for New Year's Eve and just as the fireworks were going, I dropped down on an knee and proposed, right? Cheesy. I get it. Um, so I did it, got Lovely. down on a knee. She said yes. Uh, and then five minutes later, the boat sunk and uh, we were all wet. <laughs> oh, no. Rescued no. by... Is that uh, really the water police? Is that true? Yes. Yeah, that's a laughing. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know what? Yeah, one hundred percent true. Bruno, and of course, Bruno can't propose without it being on uh, the news and on TV. Everything Bruno does. Yeah, exactly. It was always it was always going to be a thing unless it's on video. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So that was um, that was a whole thing. We we kept the ring, but all the um, you know, I'd bought an expensive bottle of champagne and some cigars, and yeah, that's all in Sydney Harbour somewhere. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh, but I am. <laughs> no, I thought I thought I thought it was great. And look, we're still together, so there's something to be said for. Bad proposals. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. it. Oh, I'd love to know the stats on those people that do the big, big proposals and whether the marriages ever last. Hey, look, Bruno, that's not what you're here to talk about today, though. What have you got for us today? Well, look, I love music, but what I love even more than music is when you're singing the lyric for a song that you've loved for years and years, and then you realise. What's the actual meaning of it? You do your research and you realise, oh, yeah. hang on, I've been singing about uh, this when, in effect, eh, the song's about this. So I thought, ah. you know what, I'm going to go down the rabbit hole. I'm going to come back with five songs that I certainly didn't know had a hidden meaning uh, and that uh, I wonder if you guys will be surprised by it too. Oh, fantastic. Well, right. what's your first one? Uh, your first Let's one? do it. All right, guys, we start off with... Poker Face by Lady Gaga. Let's have a watch and a listen. Oh, what a song. Great song. I assume it's not and about so playing a brilliant song. Yeah, are we thinking that it's about, you know, like, ooh, being hard to read, Lady Gaga, her poker face, what is it? Well, what it's actually about is when you make out with a guy, but the whole time you're thinking about making out with a chick. Oh. That's what the song's about. <laughs> really? Yes, yes, yeah, she confirmed that that's, uh, that that's what it's all about. I mean, if I read here closely at the lyrics, there is a part where she says, because I'm bluffing with my muffin. Now, a muffin <coughs> is another word okay. for vagina. That's true. Right? <laughs> yeah, so she's, she's bluffing. Does that make sense? <laughs> and then she also says, yeah. I'm not lying. <coughs> I'm just stunning with my love glue gunning. Ugh. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Robbo. <laughs> sorry. All right, guys. Number four. 
This one is a great one. Do you guys, this is a little bit more alt-rockish, but you know, semi-sonic closing time. Yes, have a little watch, have a yes. listen. Oh yeah, I love that song. Yes. Oh yeah, I love that song. I don't know it. Ah, uh, we'll play I don't it. Know it. Oh, okay, well. <laughs> So it's not a pickup oh. song. It's not a pickup song. Well, so you think right that it's closing time. What is it? Is it about a bar? You know, you you can't stay here. It's about a bar. No, the hidden meaning is about how much uh, having a kid sort of ruins your life, right? So in other words, oh, you go oh, from having this like great life where you, you, you're out at the pub every night and you're having a great one. But in this song, the, the, the singer's basically saying, you know, uh, I'm about to be a father soon, so it's closing time, you know. You've got to call for last drinks. And... Uh, I mean, look, I don't want to say that fatherhood sucks, but the guy's not lying. <laughs> What's number three, my friend? What's number three, my friend? Guys, number three, Bob Marley, I Shot the Sheriff. I shot the sheriff. Okay. Oh, I love that song. So what do we reckon? This one was pretty much what it says on the tin. Yeah, right. Uh, (laughs) He shot the sheriff. However, he did not kill the deputy. Now, this one is a real spin-out. It's got nothing to do uh, with with a crime or the police or a confession. It's actually to do with taking birth control. And he found out that his girlfriend at the time was taking birth control and he felt like the, uh, the company that was making the birth control pill was being like the judge, jury and executioner of... Uh, God's will for him to have a child. Sounds like the clues from the last singer. Isn't it? Bruno, you're on a thing. I'm just yeah. feeling you're not quite enjoying fatherhood. But... Uh... <laughs> uh, oh, wow. Guys, number two, Bruno. Number, number two is The weekend with Can't Feel My Face. I'm trying oh. to think of what it could be, but I don't want to say. <laughs> Bruno, is it about oh, like well, that wonderful TV, drink, Coca-Cola? So you'd obviously know that... Uh... <laughs> yeah, is it the Coca-Cola? Or... <laughs> you with me? Yeah, so, I mean, hey? the average person might think, oh, it's to do with the euphoria of a brand new relationship, right? You're smiling so much, you can't even feel your face. Well, listen, we're all grown-ups here. It's actually to do with when you do so much coke in the evening uh, that I, so I hear it becomes difficult to, to feel your face. Uh, it's right. It's been uh, reported, right? <laughs> yeah, we don't know. Right. I wouldn't yeah. know. Oh, What's I'm the so big? Well, okay. you do hang around Carl a lot. Um, we, what is number one? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway, we've lost transmission. I'm only, hey, he, he has said that to me on the radio, so, you know, all fair. Um, what's number one? Are you in Los Angeles? Guys, are you in Los Angeles at the moment with Carl? He's in Carl's bar. Carl's bar. I'm in. I'm in Carl's bar. Yeah, you're welcome to come for a drink. Oh wow! Why? Oh look, it's oh. bar, but I'll get there once the lockdown finishes. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sounds fun. <laughs> Guys, number one, it's a banger. It's Sai with Gangnam Style. Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Open Gangnam Style. Sexy lady. Um, oh, this is a great one. So 
What do we think that it's about? We think that it's some cool new dance called the Gangnam Style. Yeah. And actually, the more I the more I researched this one, the more I was like, he's a very deep thinker. What he's doing, it's a song about so uh, the Gangnam District in Seoul, South Korea, is like uh, it's yeah. like Beverly Hills. There's a lot of money, but he's kind of taking the Mickey out of them with a bit of nuanced satire by just. Uh, having a go at, at, at how they pretend that they're happy and they've got all this money, but behind it all, they're in a lot of debt and they're sad and they're on antidepressants. So he's making, he's going down this this avenue that's kind of very interesting. And I translated the lyrics, right, uh, from uh, Korean into English. And, you know, he's saying stuff like, I'm a guy who seems calm but plays when he plays, a guy who goes completely crazy when the right time comes, a guy who has bulging ideas rather than muscles. Oppa Gangnam Style. That's very deep, very deep. Bruno, I am shocked you didn't tell us the real meaning of Daryl Braithwaite's hit, Horses. When you're riding the horses, oh, you know what this I was one is? trying to get verification on this. Abby, your producer, told me I'm about 90% sure that has to do with shooting heroin. Correct. And uh, Correct. I was like, well, Abby, yeah. nice to so meet you. So when you're riding you know, the horses, you're shooting <laughs> heroin. Nothing to do with actual horses. It's a great Australian classic, but by God, it has a deep, bad, hidden meaning. That's fantastic. I'm going to listen to it on the way home whilst I ride a horse. That's fantastic. <laughs> Bruno, thank you very much. We always love your segment. We will see you next week, my friend. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. It's time for another hit of entertainment. And, Ben, what's been the official fallout for Carl Sanderlands and his comments on the Virgin Mary? Thanks, Rob. Well, in handing down their findings nearly a year after Sandylands made the remarks, the Australian Communications and Media Authority, which is ACMA, said the shock jock overstepped the mark when he made controversial comments on air. However, the backlash was taken seriously by the broadcaster. Kyle even took to the airwaves to acknowledge this mistake. Check it out. I get upset at the fact that, wow, I've really caused a lot of grief to a lot of people and what they believe, and 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 that's never what I meant to do. I, I meant it as a... I didn't even know what I meant it as. At the time, as, as I said, I was just, you know, trying to make people have a laugh and didn't realise I was trotting quite heavily on, on you know, very, very gentle territory for a lot of people. I actually really appreciated that because I thought the apology from Kyle was quite heartfelt. However, the investigation, which was made under the Commercial Radio Code of Practice, found the broadcast was offensive to listeners to, uh, of faith and the wider community, but was also in, it was also not in breach of rules of, in relating to inciting hatred, ridicule because of religion. So that was kind of a bit of a save for them. I think if Kyle hadn't have come out with that apology, he might have been in a different situation. Ah, okay, but you've still got a little bit of news on Carlton Jackie O with The Masked Singer. Yeah, absolutely. So we have an update on how the wing went down. They have filmed it, which is great because we're all looking forward to the finale next Monday. But uh, Jackie O explained it on the Kyle and Jackie O this morning. Check it out. We are ambitiously filming the finale via green screen with people in two different countries, two different states and three different locations and they're keying us in as though we are all together on studio. Oh, so it's the magic of television. It'll all look like you are there. Well, I was watching this on the screen last night and I was amazed. So Osher, he's up there on the stage. Now, he doesn't have the mask next to him because he's standing in a little studio in Sydney with just a green screen behind him. Right, yeah. But what I see on the monitor is him looking like he is on the mask singer stage right next to the mask. And it's not, it's like a hologram, but the best hologram you've ever seen (laughs) because there's nothing, nothing sort of digital or see-through about the hologram. It's just Osher there on stage. So when people watch this they won't realize the effort that's gone on behind the scenes to make it look normal no we are being very transparent and upfront about it at the beginning we're going to let everyone know this is what's happening um because i think with with ursula and i even though it looks like we are there on the panel yeah you can see a slight kind of screen there Mm. oh wow 
That is pretty exciting. Uh, really looking forward to the Masked Singer finale, as is everyone in the McKnight family. Do we have yes. more? Do we have any time left for the Golden Girls? Well, we've got to do the Golden yes. Girls, Ben. We've, we've got a minute. Okay, so this has already happened. The Golden Girls has been revived with an all-black cast, which includes Regina King, who I love. You might remember her from Jerry Maguire. Tracy Ellis Ross, who is camp. She is also in this table read. Now, the iconic sitcom, which ran for seven seasons between 1985 and 1992, revolved around the lives of four white women who were living together in Miami. But this new project has been reimagined in the situation of a black perspective. Now, this happened today, and it is only one episode, so fans can't get too excited about this, but the beloved return happened, and it was a recreation to remind people in the US to complete their census by September 30th. So a little bit convoluted, but we have a glimpse at how it went down today. Check it out. And so, Ben, uh, so they're the ones that will be in the new series of The Golden Girls, but they just did this Zoom chat for now. Is that right? It will be a proper show. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's just a once-off. Oh. Are they doing it as a whole new show? Oh, oh well, you know what? We'll come sure back to you on, tomorrow on that because we do have to go. It's time for Ticker. Thank you, everyone, for another <laughs> great show. Apologies to Jamelia Rizvi, who was meant to be on. We had some technical issues and uh, couldn't make it work. She has already said she'll come back next week and be our fourth panellist, so we look forward to that. We'll see oh, you amazing. tomorrow for a big Thursday edition of the Ben Robin Robbo Show. See you later, everyone. It's the Ben Robin Robbo Ben Robin Robbo Ben Robin Robbo Show. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.